What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another. Ow, I just, ow, I just hit my elbow on the wall when I was doing my intro. I'm Italian. I talk with my hands. I think most people talk with their hands, but I was emphasizing, "Welcome back, everybody!" And my elbow just like winged out and hit the wall. That's that was a little, little thud you guys could hear. Ow, that really hurt. <laughs> Anyways, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Merv's Boston Sports Talk. This is episode number 151. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. If you're listening on audio-only platforms, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We do have uh, abundance of things to talk about. Not as much as a hodgepodge as last week, but, uh, excuse me, my throat is a little sore. Um, Did a lot of talking yesterday. Shop was uh, fairly busy with... Some people, and I had to do a bunch of talking, so I do do pardon my little rasp, if there is one. I don't know if there's a raspy voice. Uh, I'll be able to hear it when I edit this episode. And what I mean by edit, I just mean upload it and then just download it, right? So anyways, so if there's a little rasp, I do apologize. But nonetheless, I do want to talk about sports cards again to start off this episode, and I promise it's not going to take 20 minutes. Like last time, I want to get into the Bruins. I want to get into the Red Sox as well. And then I don't know where we're going to go from there. I do want to touch upon the Patriots as well because we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to preseason, right? And with that, there's going to be tons of questions. Like we already know that Nikhil Harry has been traded to the Chicago Bears for a, what, conditional 2024 uh, seventh round pick, I believe it was. So he's gone, but that's not much of a headline. That's just a, a busted first round pick that Belichick struck out on. And that just goes to show that he can't draft nearly as good maybe as he once was. But that's a conversation possibly for later in this episode. However, um, sports cards I want to talk about real quick is the fact that I made a there was a guy that came into the shop, and this this has no negative connotation behind it. And we were just able to just talk and talk and talk and, and finally get a couple deals done. We were able to get one deal done, and then we were able to get a second deal done. And being able to execute deals that are suffice or that are pleasant and can show a return on the back end, is really reassuring, especially for me owning a card shop, Murph's Card Town Sports Shop, for those who may be living under a rock. <laughs> Even though the name of the YouTube channel is the same in the podcast, I've talked about it a gazillion times. But it's just so nice and refreshing to get a deal done, to be able to move some stuff and not sit on it for too long, especially when you just got it. But it is better to move stuff that you have been sitting on, which I was able to do earlier yesterday. But the purpose why why I'm bringing this up is because it's so nice to be able to obviously get the cash to, you know, essentially pay for the card. Also get a couple trades back too to kind of make up a little bit of a difference. And then just have, you know, a happy customer, really, because they're able to get what they want. You know, they don't have to this spend $500. They can spend a few hundred dollars and make it up with trade or whatever it may be. So it's good to see some, you know, happy customer walk in, make a deal, feel good. And then we're able to sit back down and strike the second deal as well. So we're both able to walk away feeling good with our return values. And that's one of the joys of this hobby is to really just be able to enjoy the ins and the outs of sports cards. And that's not just buying a card for X and selling it for 20%. 
right? It's actually enjoying the hobby, buying, selling, and trading with other people. And again, it's a hobby. And I know I've talked about this last week. Um, sports cards is not a hobby anymore. And that YouTube video will be out tomorrow, actually, on Saturday the 16th. However, you know, as much as I still want to believe that it is a hobby, it the business aspect of it has really taken over as from the article that we discussed and we broke down last week. But from another point of view, it's like still a hobby to some people. It's a lot pricier of a hobby for some people than, you know, they may remember. I mean, countless times I have people coming in here saying, I remember when packs were 10 cents a, a pack. I remember when they were 25 cents a pack, a dollar. It's like, what from the 80s is still a dollar? That was a dollar back then. Like, gas, no. Groceries, no. Sports cards, clearly not. It's uh, Costco, actually, I saw, I don't it wasn't a meme or anything, but I think it was on Facebook where the owner of Costco uh, swears to keep their hot dogs at $1.50. And that was something they started back in the 80s, 84, 86, something like that. And with inflation changing from then to now, it should be, with you know the natural increase of inflation, it should be, uh, I'm trying to think, what was it, like $4.30 something cents, I think it is. But they're still maintaining at a dollar. And I don't know if, if it went into any more saying like, oh, they're losing money, but people love the hot dogs. It gets people in. I, I don't I don't know the ins and the outs of that. Obviously, $1.50 hot dog is a very much of a steal. And that's probably the only thing I could think of that's still the same price 30-something years ago, thir- over 30 years ago. Because um, everything else, cars has gone up. Gas, like I mentioned. Groceries, like I mentioned. Uh, what else? Um Building materials has gone up. The cost of living has gone up. So everything has gone up with natural inflation. And I guess I'm kind of pivoting from what I originally wanted to talk about is that, you know, a bunch of people come into the shop and like, obviously, you know, I'm only 25 years old, so I don't really remember what it was like in the 80s because I wasn't damn around. (laughs) And they're like, oh, man, these dollars. Yeah, but they were everywhere, though. That's why they were so cheap is because they were everywhere. And, yeah, sports cars are everywhere now today, too. But again, to a different degree, more people are invested, more people are into the hobby. Uh, the hobby has a bigger platform. You know, YouTube, social media, those things just didn't exist back then. Uh, eBay even. So it's like what from the 80s, even the early 90s, is still whatever you, price you remember. I mean, besides Costco hot dogs, right? Besides that. So it's just like I'm not saying it's infuriating. No, no, no. It's just like how do I tell this person like, oh, well, with inflation – Price has gone up over 35 years. Uh, that's, they, they kind of accept it, but they a lot of people still think it's silly that packs are $160. I'm like, that's just the market. The box itself is like $1,600, $1,700. And um, it gives people a more affordable access to these bigger boxes that they otherwise can't afford. And some people are able to wrap their head around it. Some people aren't able to. But anyways, let's circle back to what I was originally saying is, I guess, most people listening to this podcast, Merce Boston Sports Talk, are into sports cards in some way, fashion. So it, the audience core, uh, uh, overlaps and they coincide with each other. So bringing up that deal that I made yesterday, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. I try to give people wheels and deals and steals all the damn time at the shop. And I know they're beyond appreciative of that. 
And I'm only able to get those give those deals out because I get those deals in return. And you guys know I'm the biggest advocate for a happy and healthy sports card hobby. So if I'm able to get a good deal, I promise you I'm going to give you a good deal in return. So it is, that's one of the perks of buying at a local card shop and supporting a local business is you can make those connections. So when the next time you come in, I'll remember you. You come in three, four, five times. I'll remember you even more. I'll get a note. I'll know what you like and what you what your taste is like. So therefore, when let's say a I don't know a Mac Jones card comes in, I know to either hit you up and be like, hey, this Mac Jones card came in. Any interest before I put it in the case? And people feel good about that. So developing that interconnectivity, that tissue with your community, with your local card shop, I believe is tremendously important because you're not establishing those relationships on eBay, online, maybe on Instagram, maybe because you can just chat a little bit more easy, more free-flowing. You can comment and like on you know social media that way, whereas eBay, you really can't. ComC, you can't. Um, uh, what's the other one? Why can't I think? Uh, PWCC, you can't do that. Golden Auctions, you can't do that. So, again, people will see a card last sold for $34 on eBay, and I have it stickered for 40 and they'll be like, oh, we take 35 or 30 even. It's like, well, if the card last sold for 34 taxes, whatever that number turns into, and then $5 for shipping. So you're paying more than $34 for the card if you buy it on eBay, if you just buy it here. And you don't have to risk the card in the mail in any way, shape, or form because once the card gets put in the envelope or the bubble mail or whatever, it's, it's in God's hands. It really is. It's in the post office's hands. And there's nothing you or the... the seller can do about it and when you get the card it could be damaged it could be scratched maybe it's not even what you thought it was because the picture online was a stock photo of a thousand cards and they just gave you one and it just happened to have a busted corner it was off-centered or whatever and i try to tell people all the time is you'll get reimbursed if there's any issues you'd be at a bag of rocks or whatever but there's so many issues and it takes so much time you're not buying something just to get your money back with uh, paypal or ebay now you're buying something because you want it. You really want that card or those cards or that box for it even. Whereas if you buy it here in shop, here in person, you can avoid the shipping. You can avoid additional fees. You can avoid the shipping cost. Taxes are unavoidable, but still. So you're either paying the same or possibly paying, paying less. If you support your local card shop and you buy stuff at a LCS. Now, I'm not just trying to, you know, give my shop free advertisement here, even though the shop kind of sponsors Murph's Boston Sports Talk in a sense. But, I mean, if you're listening in, I don't know, Texas, or if you're listening in Nebraska, obviously Murph's Cartown Sports Shop isn't your closest LCS. There's a gazillion others. But it still implants the same seed in your mind to have a similar line of thinking that I'm trying to express now. And I, I think a lot of people kind of get lost in that. They'll see a card last sold for $34 and be like, oh, you're at 40 Like, you're close, but, you know, can you come down a bit? It's, I don't know. It, it's a conversation I constantly have with people because I'm just trying to, every day, I'm trying to educate people about the sports card hobby because I do believe it's important. I really do. The education is very important because there's tons of locations you can get cards from, boxes even, wax, tons card shop, card show, Facebook, eBay, 
uh, Instagram, Twitter even. I mean, there's just so many different, I mean, online websites, you know, direct from Panini or Tops, Upper Deck, any of these websites you can get them from. And, you know, there's chances that you're taking. Whereas at a card shop, again, you get to see it right here, right now. And you can check the condition. You can check the corners. I can give you some facts about the player, my thoughts about the player. Do I think he's heating up? Do I think it's a good buy now market? Do I think it's a, hey, you know, a sell now market or it's a hold? You can read the literature on the box and I can tell you what to expect inside two two autos, one auto, three hits, no hits, whatever it may be, right? And I can tell you what the chase cards look like if I have any or I can pull them up for you. It's just these conversations you can't have on eBay. And a lot of people get blinded by that because they'll have, they'll get a nice little snipe on eBay one time, two times maybe, and they get married to it. And yes, eBay is way more convenient for people at times. At times it is because a card shop's not open one in the morning when you're laying in bed. But eBay is. eBay's well open at, at one in the morning and you're able to find good snipes late at night, you know, or the wee hours in the morning. You're able to find those snipes. Whereas card shops... You're still able to find some snipes from time to time, but again, you know, at least at least here on Friday, I'm only open 12 to 8. You know, Saturday 10 to 6, Sunday 10 to 4, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday 12 to 8 as well. So you have to come in during business hours. Whereas again, eBay, there is no business hours. There isn't, and you're able to get those late night snipes. But the snipes that you're able to get at the shop, the deals you're able to get at the shop, I've seen it countless times where I'll have a card sticker, let's say. I'll use a James Wiseman uh, triple patch, rookie triple patch auto from Absolute Hobby for basketball. I had it for 140. This is before the Warriors won the, the NBA Finals. A week or two goes by, they win the NBA Finals, right? And someone pointed out, oh, don't you think that's a little low? I'm like, well, that was the last comp, 140. Last time I checked, but let's check it again. Last comp was 210. $210. So, The principle of my point here is that person, if they wanted that card for $140, they were able to get it because that was my sticker. I tell people all the time, I'm never going to go above my sticker. Never. I don't care how off I am. If I have a sticker for $140 and the last card sold for $210, you just got yourself a card, $70 under comps. But on the flip side, but. If you walk out that door, that card's now a $200 card. So if you do want to come back, it's going to be $200. So again, you know, I have to run a business, but I'm true to my word. It's just common professionalism, common sense, mannerisms. uh, It's just respect. Things you may find online, but again, you can't build that connective relationship and that knowledge of your consumer online. And I just think the in-person life skills, right, of talking to somebody and negotiating with somebody and dealing with somebody in person, getting to know the person, getting to, like I said, know what they like, what their taste is, and developing relationships and rapports that way is far and by and large better than just eBay. Like, oh, you want that card? Okay, let me put it in a bubble mail and send it out to you. Please leave me five stars. No. Like, I mean, if I deserve, like on Google, if I deserve five stars, I want to be given five stars because I earned it because I left a impact on you, a positive 
you know, impact when you left the shop, whether you bought something or not, whether we just had a conversation or you bought a ton of stuff, anything in between. I want you to leave my shop feeling good, that you are happy with your purchases if they apply. And I want you to be able to walk away knowing that you do want to come back here. And that's why I earned five stars. Not because I put something in a bubble mailer, I sent it out in a timely fashion, and you got it in three, four days. And listen, listen, online sales is a chunk of the sports card market. Couldn't agree more. And I think it's a great, useful tool for a ton of people to buy, sell, and, oh, I guess buy and sell, right? You can't really trade on eBay. But I do not agree, and I don't like the fact that it is going to, or is, overwhelmingly a massive chunk of the market. Like, I still think card shows and card shops should be at least 50%. And I don't know if it is, or I don't think that it is. And that's kind of where I draw the line from online stuff. But you guys let me know down in the comments. I know this conversation almost went 20 minutes. I said it wasn't going to. But this is just stuff I'm passionate about, right? I mean, again, Merce Boston Sports Talk and Merce Car Town Sports Shop, um, supporters of one or the other usually coinciding and correlate with each other. So I don't mind talking about sports cards. I know a lot of people want me to talk more about sports cards here on the podcast, so I'm happy to do so. It's... Again, something I'm passionate about, and I guess I was going to talk about this article, and I don't know if we'll have time to do. I'll try to briefly touch upon it when I'm done with this point. Where was my where was my point going? I don't even remember where my point was going. Oh, passionate about it. Obviously, I own a shop, and but I've been in the hobby for at least 20 years, as far as I can remember. So it's just the little nuances that can spurt and spark a conversation, a debate. Or even a 20-minute segment to open up Merce Boston Sports Talk for the second week in a row. But let me know what your guys' thoughts and opinions are about the online aspect of it, the in-person aspect of it. Definitely let me know down in the comments if you're listening to this on YouTube. Please reach out to me via social media at Merce Card Town. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, Facebook as well. Let me know what your thoughts are about the in-person aspect and the online aspect of sports cards. Do you like one or the other? Do you support your local card shop? Do you go to local shows or do you just buy cards on eBay because it is convenient for you at 2 in the morning and you are just hoping hoping for snipes? Let me know. I'm definitely eager to read and reply to everything. Okay, so the article that I originally wanted to talk about and spend a good chunk of time on today um, is a follow-up essentially from sports cards not being a hobby, it's being more of a business. And this article is written by Mike Thomas again. I'm not going to read the whole article. I just want to kind of cover the main points. I made a YouTube video about this article, breaking it all down like I did last week with uh, sports cards not being a hobby. And that YouTube video will come out Wednesday the 20th. So be on the lookout for that if you really want that uh, this topic really broken down and really discussed. So I'm going to give you like the Cliff Notes version of it, the Spark Notes version of it right now. And the article is titled, Sports Card Market Suffers Black Eye After Bizarre Tops Autograph Mishap. So essentially, let's just get straight to the point here. Uh, Is there a picture of the card? Do we have a picture of this card? Yes, okay. Apparently, in 2022 Tops Definitive, which correlates to their flawless, right? That's essentially Tops' flawless product. It's a $2,000 box. And in the box, there is a out of 35... 
the tweet says out of 50, top says out of 50, but on the card it says out of 35. So I'm going to go with what the card says. Austin Meadows and Randy Rosarena, dual patch, dual auto card. Very nice card. Obviously, Meadows doesn't play with the Rays anymore, but still a very nice card. Uh, the Rosarena is a two-color patch. The Meadows is a one-color patch, but they're both on-card autos. Now, from a naked eye, you may not think nothing of it. But if you look at the the handwriting of both the Meadows and the Rosarena autograph, it's the same. It's the same handwriting. Uh, what is it? Hand. What, what is it? It's the same same handwriting, right? Uh, what's the is that the word? The same handwriting. I don't know. It's it's, it's the same, right? It's, it's you can clearly tell it's the same. Which obviously is a red flag right there that it's fake. What is that word that I'm looking for? Same, right? Like, like obviously everyone's forged, uh, had like forged their parents' signature on like a, a failed tester or whatever. Uh, hand, no. What, what is it called? When you write something, you handwriting, but write it, write it differently? No. Uh, handwriting, handwriting, uh, whatever. Anyways, you guys know what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm not going to ponder over this for a minute. <laughs> and, a guy tweeted at Tops, you have some explaining to do. These boxes are $2,000, and I'm not expecting forged dual autos. This is clearly the same person. This is neither Meadows or Rosarena. I would like a resolution. So in the video, I go in to do some research, and you guys will be able to check it out next week. I do some research. I look at Austin Meadows autographs. I look at Randy Rosarena autographs of you know different products. And those autographs look nothing like this out of 35 2022 Tops definitive card that we got. And when you're paying $2,000, you expect game-worn, on-card, three-color patches. You expect the whole works. And full of rookies, right? <laughs> or maybe your favorite veteran players. And then Topps goes out to release a statement saying, like, oh, we've been aware of this situation with this product. Um, we don't know how this, this happened with our quality check. We're going to double our efforts. Anyone who has this card, please reach out to us. We'll send you a brand-new box of 2022 definitive baseball and a replacement card of um, a replacement card or a card of equal value. And, and then the guy, I want to read this from the article. This is funny. Uh, da, 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 da. My first question is what would be equal value to a fake dual autograph card? Does that mean everyone gets a Felix Furman rookie card as a replacement? This is a guy that played in the eighties and he was an absolute bum. He played like 10 years. He hit four home runs. So I thought that was pretty funny to throw into the article. And again, the writer, Mike Thomas, brought up another good point. How do we know there aren't more fake autographs out there? If this card is numbered to 35, I think it's only right in our mind to assume that there are 35 fakes just like that somewhere out there. And again, Topps is going to hold up their end of the bargain, give you a replacement box, and give you a replacement card. Good Topps. But again... If there is one like this, and it's numbered to 35, how do we know that there aren't 34 others like that card? Then it bears the question, this is one card, numbered to 35, how don't we know that there's not Raphael Devers, Alexander Bogarts, fake dual patch, dual autos, or dual patch, fake dual auto, whatever. How do we know that there isn't uh, Mike's, uh, John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge? 
dual patch, fake dual autos. Like, you know, we can go on and on across the league. Like, um, Shohei Otani or Mike Trout or just, you know, pick two out, two guys on a team. How do we know that there aren't more fake dual autos out there? So only time will tell when product more of this product gets opened, when more people have the gut to invest $2,000 into this box. But then again, knowing what has happened with this $2,000 box, Top's upper echelon product, it's going to be very challenging to sell this product for what it should be worth, whether it's $2,000 or not. Well, it could be a $200 box. People are still going to be very hesitant about it because they know what has happened. And, uh, I mean, this is just something that just shouldn't happen. There should not be fake autographs. Tops again, one of the most famous names in sports cards, one of the most famous and well-known names in collecting, period, no matter what hobby it is, is under serious heat for fake autographs. So it's just, hey, listen, when you buy wax, just be careful. Do your research if you get an autograph. Um, be careful when you're buying the bigger boxes, especially from Tops. Haven't seen anything like this from Panini, per se. I do have a story about that in a second. But definitely just be careful with Tops, any of their pro upper-end products, just because of this. It just I, I would hate to see someone buy a product here in my shop. They rip it, and it's a fake. I, I don't know what I would say because it's not my fault. I mean, it came in the original plastic wrapping. Like, that's not my fault, but I'll still feel guilt. And... It shouldn't be my fault, and I shouldn't feel guilt, but that's just the kind of person I am. I have empathy for people. So the quick side story about Panini is, I don't know if this is a Panini. I don't think this is a Panini issue. Um, this is one of the reasons why I don't like HGA, the grading company, is they authenticated a Patrick Mahomes autograph. Um, they, I don't know, whatever the card grade was, but they authenticated the autograph as well, and the autograph turned out to be fake. Well, how did this slip by HGH. And HGA came out with an announcement. This was like in the fall, I believe, winter maybe. I think it was more in the fall. And they came out with an announcement saying, oh, anyone that has been, uh, has cars graded by us that were authenticated, please feel free to um, let us know. We'll send you your money back, da, 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 da. Great, cool, all. I'm not getting my card submitted by HGA just to get my money back because they authenticated a fake autograph. The aut The fake autograph was on a oh what was it a select i think it was a, a patrick mahomes select card and it was a sticker autograph now whether it's a sticker or not on the back of the card it's going to say this autograph is guaranteed by panini america right the back of the card did not say that so a huge huge blind eye from hga right there and they also authenticated fake wayne gretzky autographs as well and i heard those other people other players as well but haven't heard or seen the leaked names of those athletes just Patrick Mahomes and Wayne Gretzky are the two big ones that have leaked and this picture is to back it up somewhere out there I just don't have the time to look it up nor do I want to keep talking about this because I do want to move on to our other topics here as well but again guys do your research that's why I, I strongly believe that being an integral part of an in-person community is very important and detrimental because you're able to get this education and this knowledge from someone like me who owns a shop or just anybody who owns a shop really because you'll be able to get on-site professional expertise and opinions and have in-person discussions where again on Facebook or 
On Facebook, you don't even know who you're talking to. Maybe social media, you don't know who you're talking to. eBay, you have no idea who you're talking to. These people could just be talking to you just to make a sale. Me, again, you could ask the same question. Oh, Merv, how do we know that you're not just talking to these people just to make a sale? Guys, I pledged myself to a happy and healthy sports card hobby. I preached this for 11 months. And I think the people that support the shop the most, or just simply uh, support the shop, period, I know, way too many S's there, simply support the shop, will know that I'm not going to try to screw you over. I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to give you the necessary information and the proper education for you to make the best decision possible for your sports card journey. I'm not going to steer you in the wrong direction. I'm going to give you the latest information on the market that I know of. I'm going to give you the latest information and knowledge about the hobby that I know of. And again, if you come down to the shop, you're going to get that same treatment. If you've never been in the shop, you're going to get that same treatment. I promise you that. And I can't speak for other sports card shops or sports card owners or card shop owners because I know there's a ton of old grizzled men that could care less about the hobby. They just want to make a buck. And there's tons of those out there too. But again, guys, if you haven't been to Merv's Card Town Sports Shop, give me a chance. I will definitely not let you down. But that's my 30-minute sports card conversation, which I did not expect to take that long. I do want a sip of water. We're just going to keep rolling here as I reach for my water. And I do want to get into some Bruins because Bruins made a trade the other day. They made an abundance of acquisitions as well. But the trade is what I really want to talk about. Ah, oh, that was good. That was good water. All right, so this is an article from uh, bostonhockeynow.com written by Joe Haggerty literally 19 hours ago titled Boston Bruins Zacha Already Living in Boston. Quote, it's great. Um, if there was an NHL destination that Pavel Zacha was going to get traded this offseason, the Boston Bruins were pretty clear the perfect spot. The 2015 first-round pick of the New Jersey Devils has slowly carved out an identity for himself in Jersey where he's averaged 16 goals and 36 points over the last two seasons. As a 6'3", 210-pound pivot on the Devils Hockey Club that struggled offensively, but Zacha hasn't to this point lived up to being the sixth overall pick in the first round of the stacked 2015 NHL draft, and that's part of the reason he was dealt to the Bruins straight up for versatile forward Eric Halla. The surprising part for Zacha is that he's been spending his summer off-seasons locally for the last few years after former Devils teammate Brian Boyle and Jimmy Hayes talked him into training with them in Foxborough. The 25-year-old Zacha even bought his own place in Boston last summer. Instead, he's been best friends with Boston Bruins defenseman Jakob Zaborl since the two were four-year hockey players in the Sketch Republic. So if Zacha was going to get traded anywhere across the NHL map for the first time in his pro career, this is the place he'd wanted to be when it was done. Quote, I was mentally ready for it to happen, but I didn't know what to expect because it's the first time it's happened to me in my career, said Zacha, who interestingly said that Captain Patrice Bergeron was one of the first Bees players to reach out to him, welcoming him to the Boston Bruins along with Jakob Zaborl. Quote, it's great. I know a lot of the guys because I train here during the summers in Boston and stay here during the summer. Every time I've played against them, it's a tough team to play against, so it's really exciting for me. I really like it in Boston. I like the people. It's a big hockey town, so I have a chance to skate and train with a lot of good hockey players. It certainly made it a lot easier knowing that I got traded here. Not a big move since I'm already staying here. Zacha will be 
interesting will be an interesting fit for this season and beyond once the RFA is signed to a new contract, restricted free agent. He could play the wing for the upcoming year as Boston is hoping that both Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci return to the black and gold fold. Ooh, bars. And then he'd be the youthful, talented replacement in the top six for Boston Bruins te- team that's organizationally short on those plug-and-play centers, uh, center prospects at the NHL level. You'll have a chance to hopefully play in the top nine scenario with us and with Brad Marchand being out a significantly opportunity being out a significant opportunity early on with power play and situational play that he can benefit from, said Don Sweeney. Quote, but we do believe there's more offensive potential there, and that's up to Pavel to take advantage of the opportunities he's presented with. We just feel that Pavel Zacha was the player that we targeted in the middle of the ice in a multi-positional type player. Younger, I feel there's growth and potential there moving forward. We hope to be able to find a deal with him being a part of the organization now and beyond. Uh, just a couple more paragraphs here. Who knows? Perhaps having a couple of sketch countrymen and that he's known a long time in Zacha and Zaboro, along with Krejci, obviously will add to David Pasternak's eagerness to sign a big money long-term deal with the Boston Bruins as well. It remains to be seen how it's all going to work out on the ice. But getting a talented in his prime center ready to potentially take the handoff from Bergeron and Krejci sooner rather than later was on Boston's offseason checklist. That one has been checked off, even if there's still quite a bit of work to do for Sweeney and company, with so many Boston Bruins loose ends to tie up. Now, there's a lot, a lot to unpack here. And I don't know if we'll have time to talk about the Red Sox and the Patriots in today's episode because I want to talk about a bunch of stuff out of here. The Bruins did a do. Uh, the Bruins drafted a lot of. Let me let me just pull it up. Bruins, twenty twenty two draft. I just want to get my information correct. That's all I want to do, is get my information correct. Bruins, free agents signings. Because I, I don't want to give you the guy give you guys the wrong information here because this is actually fairly vital. Okay, I don't need. Uh, where am I getting this audio from? Is that it? Nope. I'm getting a video being played in my ear, and I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, oh, I found it. No, I didn't find it. Okay, well, where is this audio coming from? All right, after frantically trying to find where this damn video was coming from, uh, let me just officially... Go over the draft real quick. Um, where are the? I don't. I want the. I want the players they drafted. I don't want their future draft compensation. Oh my goodness! It took me a, a couple minutes to find one damn link that gave me all the Bruins draft picks. Anyways, they took three centers in this draft. They took Matt Poitras. They took Cole Spicer, and they took Dan's Lockmelis. Lockmelis. That's gonna be a tough one to figure out to say. And on top of that, they also signed some free agents. Let me pull up that real quick. Uh, they signed um, they signed AJ Greer, Daniel Renoff, Keith Kincaid, Connor Karachek, or Carrick, and Vinny Lettieri. So a lot of moves have been going down, along with the other players that the Bruins drafted. However, this trade, in my opinion, stands out more important than those free agent signings, and also the draft. Well, the draft is for the future, right? But this trade is for the now. And there's, again, lot to pack 
unpack here is you're able to move Eric Halla to bring in um, Pavel Zacha, who has a lot to prove himself. He's in a good situation here in Boston, a, a contending team, a team that wants to win. It has star players for the now and an organization that is quite stable, unlike some that we've seen in other sports, right? <laughs> but he's the fact that he's sketch Republic and he's chained with Jakob Zaborl. He is a countryman with David Pasternak and David Krejci. Now, the whole David Krejci piece is very interesting because he essentially retired last year from the Boston Bruins or the NHL to go home and play in front of his home country and his family and his friends out in the Sketch Republic. And there was rumors and links that at the end of that season, if his team was eliminated uh, in the first round before April like 25th or whatever it was, he would be able to sign, come back, and play for the Bruins and be part of the Stanley Cup final playoff run for them. Ultimately, did not happen. But ever since then, it's just been continually linked that the Bruins are in on David Krejci and bringing him back. And Krejci has not said no. No, 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 no. So the door is ajar in some fashion. It's open. And to have Charlie Coyle on your team, to have now uh, Zacha, Bergeron potential, which I'll get into in a second, possibly David Krejci, plus the guys you've you drafted, in, plus the guys you've signed, plus a young Oscar Skeen who showed a lot of potential and promise last year, plus the guys that you still have on your team, like, this is a very good move, in my opinion. You're able to move on from Eric Halla. You bring in uh, Pacha, who, uh, Zacha, excuse me, Pavel Zacha, who lives here in Boston during the summer. So he's turned himself slowly into a Bostonian. And again, he has friends here that he's trained here. So it's like he's not really changing scenery all too often. He's just changing jerseys in home stadium or home arena. He doesn't have to travel across the country. He doesn't have to get used to the market or anything like that. He's already used to it. So I really do think this is a great fit for the Bruins. Again, Zacha is versatile. He can be the centerman. He can be a winger. He may have to be a winger because Brad Marchand is going to be out for a while. But if they bring back David Krejci, again, that's only going to help Zacha be able to move over to mend the wound for when Marchand comes back, and then you can figure out that way. But I'm not going to get my hopes up on David Krejci because, again, nothing from his camp that I've seen has come out saying that, yes, David Krejci wants to come back we just got to take some time to work out the details. Nothing like that of sorts has come out yet from David Krejci. Of course the Bruins want him back because they want to try to run it back with him in Bergeron and when Marchand gets healthy. And of course, I mean, David Pasternak is the last year of his contract. There's going to be negotiations there. But this core that was so good for so long is slowly crumbling away. And we can't live in the past. That's why this draft was so crucial. And that's why drafting three centers was, I believe... Uh, maybe not a necessity, but just about a damn you know requirement for this team is to get depth at that position because besides Oscar Skeen, who do you really have coming up in the wings? Yeah, you have Charlie Coyle, but what's his true potential? Bergeron's not going to be here forever. Currently, Krejci's not here. Yeah, you just brought in Zacha, who uh, currently is not here long-term, but hopefully a deal can get done where he can be. And that kind of just all circles back to the 2022-23 Boston Bruins and Patrice Bergeron because Bergeron is again a free agent currently and he's been in the midst of possibly retiring he's still mulling over and reflecting and trying to go through that internal process with himself and his family there's no guarantee 
there has been expression that he'd like to come back a couple weeks ago. But since then, we haven't heard anything. And again, the Bruins aren't, you know, they don't have the biggest cap space left. Uh, I mean, I don't know what this trade does and the free agent signing does for them, but they're up against the cap. So they're going to have to make some maneuvers to figure out how to make the money work to not only bring Bergeron back if he wants to come back, but to bring back Krejci if they want him back, which I'm sure they do, and if he wants to come back. So there is a lot to be seen from this Zacha trade. But the thing that really, really points at me and really catches my attention, and again, it involves Patrice Bergeron, is that Patrice Bergeron was one of the first Bruins players to reach out to Zacha, welcoming him to the Boston Bruins. Now, I heard this on the radio when I was driving into the shop today, is if Patrice Bergeron wasn't legitimately interested in coming back, I don't think he would have reached out to him. Why, if you're planning on retiring or leaving, or at least leaving, right? You know, maybe if you, you know, you're retiring, you want to end on a good note, you know, leave a good impression for the new guy, right? I get that because you're a Bruin forever. But if you planned on leaving and let's say signing elsewhere, I don't think you would say that. I don't think you're going to reach out to arguably your new rival, right, in the Bruins if you go to like Montreal or wherever or someplace that's trying to win, like a Tampa Bay, and say, hey, you're going to love it here. Welcome to Boston. You're going to be a great fit. You know, fans are going to be excited to have you. You're going to love the fans, da, da, all that, you know, nice stuff, right? You're not going to say that if you don't have aspirations of coming back to the Bruins. So from him, from Bergeron reaching out to Zacha, shows me that Patrice Bergeron is either going to stay or retire. I feel like there's no in-between. He's not going to go to another team. And, and try to win a cup. But again, if he did plan on retiring, I guess he could say, have some nice words, you know, sending off, hey, you're the next center, you know, enjoy the fans, enjoy the city, have fun, go win a cup. Sure. If he was retiring, right? Possibly. But the way I look at it, the way I read it is he's introducing his new teammate, possibly his future lineman, because Berge, uh, Marshan's going to be out for a bit. And he just wants to be pleasant. He's the captain of this team. He's currently still the captain of this Bruins team and he's just trying to be that leadership that voice in the locker room that he's so known for that him Krejci Chara they all have been known for for years upon years is having a stable locker room having a veteran leadership led locker room who knows how to play hockey knows how to play within the the rink and knows how to keep the locker room head on its heels, right? Or no, head on its heel, head on its, no, yeah, the other way around. Who knows how to keep its head on right? Let's put it that way. And just from him reaching out, I, I do strongly believe that he wants to come back and he will come back. Again, the money is going to be the big issue here for the Bruins. That's a Bruins issue. Uh, I don't expect Bergeron to come back on a $2 million deal, but how are the Bruins going to make it work in order to bring him back to, for what he's worth and what he's deserved. And that's probably six, seven-ish million dollars for a one-year deal possibly just to kick the can again and have one more stab at it. So that's why this trade and this article has a lot to unpack because there's so many different other little plot holes 
that we can talk about just from this trade, just from this article here. But again, like I said, that's going to wrap up our time for today's episode. The sports card hobby discussion and the Boston Bruins discussion really took up a lot of the time today. So I do apologize for not being able to talk about the Red Sox, their recent struggles, their big series against the Yankees coming up. Um, quick home run derby prediction. I do have Pete Alonso. I'm not bandwagoning. I just think he's an absolute stud in the derby. He will become the first player to win the derby three times in a row. Other than that, who am I picking? I do like Juan Soto here. I do like Albert Pools, but he is older, so I feel like he might run out of energy. I think that'd be a great farewell for him to win the derby. Um, Julio Rodriguez is a sneaky pick. I just don't know if, if he has it like that in him to go toe for toe pound for pound with like a Pete Alonso if he uh, faces him in a round. But I can't wait for it. It's going to be really fun to watch and definitely tune into the Home Run Derby this Monday at 8 o'clock, I think it is, or whatever time it's at. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying if you are listening to this episode on audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and wherever you can find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like the video if you enjoyed it. Comment any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns down below in the comment section below. And also, please consider hitting that giant red subscribe button as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. You can find me on social media at Merv's Card Town on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook as well. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you and I will always, always see you. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.